And in that horrible spiral, the only thing that made me feel better was, you know, seemingly was restricting my food and exercising, which in the end actually doesn't make you feel better. But this is sort of what drives addiction. You know, you know it's not good for you, but often you're so unhappy in the other areas of your life that the only thing that makes you feel good is the thing that you know you shouldn't do. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Rate Active Podcast. We're bringing you insightful conversations to inspire wellness for your body and mind. Make sure you hit subscribe so that you get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. I'm your host, Rachel Jay, and I'm so excited to welcome my guest to the show today. She is Australia's number one sleep expert. She's also a speaker, coach, and the author of the best-selling book, Bear, Lion, or Wolf, which has been published in 10 countries and eight languages. Welcome Welcome to the show, Olivia Arizolo. Thank you. Such a beautiful introduction. I am happy to be here and be um, supporting your mission to inspire wellness and inspire and support individuals to feel their best. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, amazing. I think I feel like we have very similar philosophies in terms of overall broad spectrum of, of being able to help people ultimately live their best lives. So I'm very excited to have you on the show. And as I was saying to you before we started to record, I've never had a conversation about sleep. So this is going to be really exciting. And sleep, I think for me, is one of my favorite things to do. And I think that's a lot of people love to sleep. So this is going to be so fascinating. And secondly, I think you've had such an interesting path to get to the work that you do today. And you've had such a history of, of things that have happened in your life. One of the things that you talk about is that your journey hasn't always been a highlight reel. And there's definitely been, you know, some challenges that you've faced early on in your life that has really led you to this work now in sleep and, and has really informed, I guess, what you do today. So can you take me back and share a little bit about those challenging times and and how that sort of informed what you do now and how that's really created this path that you now live. Sure. I would love to share with you and your audience. Um, so I guess like, you know, I didn't, uh, don't want to sound like a sob story, but I didn't really have a overly happy childhood. I don't remember it being overly happy. Um, I remember being really sad, lonely. I didn't know how to make friends. So I didn't have my friends. My best friend was my dad and he used to work in the city and come home on one day on the weekend, which was fine. But like, you know, it sort of broke my heart every, every week when he left. And, you know, as a child, you don't understand, oh, dad needs to go to work. All you say is my dad's leaving me again. Yeah. Oh, what have I done wrong? Why doesn't he love me? That was pretty challenging and um, I think that sort of led itself to feeling really isolated and disconnected and, you know, to the point that I was deeply depressed by the age of 14 and I tried to take my life, fortunately didn't. Um, then, you know, but I wasn't well, even though I wasn't, you know, I was still alive, I was well. And so then, you know, I developed um, eating disorders, first bulimia, then anorexia, and then it got to the point where I was 17 and I I was at a weight that I wouldn't, The my doctors were concerned that I was like, you know, you know, like faint or, you know, have heart failure or something. So um, I went into hospital and I stayed there for um, six weeks and then I was 
um, released and then I went into an outpatient unit for three months. And so that was a challenging time, (laughs) Um, you know, facing all of the challenges and facing all of the thoughts that had kept me trapped for so long. And, um, you know, there was a lot of resistance there and there was a lot of, um, yeah, just, I, I didn't, I I didn't, there was for, for a long time, I didn't care about enough about myself to get better. I was, I was too unwell to, to, you know, really engage in, in support and engage in therapy. And I was, I was very, very, um, you know, just unhappy and thought that it was never going to improve. And I was angry at the world. I was angry at everyone. I was angry at myself. I thought I didn't deserve to get better. I thought I wasn't valuable enough to get better. I thought that my life would never actually get better. So what's the point? Yeah. All of these things were always circling in my head. And so it was a really hard time and I wouldn't be in here without the support of my team who just kept on helping me, kept on nurturing me, kept on believing in me. And my parents were amazing as well, you know, just you know, really stepping up, you know, family therapy, like anyone who has had to go through family therapy, especially with a, for a, an anorexic child, it mm. is horrendous. Like I remember this one time I had like a muffin challenge. I had to, I had to eat a muffin and, you know, this was terrifying for me. It was like, it was laced with, I don't know, poison or something. And <laughs> so, but, um, and my parents had to, had to encourage me to do it in, you know, this so we sat in a room and we got in there and they said, okay, you're uh, you're not leaving here, Livia, until you finish this muffin. And the parents are going to help you eat this. And I was like, it was it was literally like it, it tore me to pieces the, to the fact I was yelling, screaming for half an hour. I was so, I was so inconsolable just for the fact mm. how much it terrified me. And, yeah. you know, so they, but, and that would and imagine that from a parent's perspective as well. You know, you don't understand what it's fucking muffin. You know, yeah, muffin. But for for me, that was horrific. And for them, they got exposed to that and they supported me through that journey. So I wouldn't be here without the support of them, as well as my team. Um, but eventually, I stopped resisting and I thought, you know what, I don't, I don't want this for the rest of my life. I don't want to be one of those people that's just in and out of hospital wards. So you know what? I'm just going to stop resisting and I'm just going to surrender and I'm just going to give in because it's too hard to, to fight. It's I'm fighting so hard and it's just too hard now. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, cool. I'll just say if I have to do these things, I'm just going to do these things. And, you know, that wasn't as simplistic as that, but that was the underlying motive. And then, you know, um, and I know that I know that I write about this on my website and you, you mentioned this before. So that, that was that night in hospital. Yeah. That was that night where I was just like, God, I am not going to be one of those revolving patients. I'm not, no, no, that's not me. I'm, I'm going to get better. I am. Mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm going to do that and then I'm going to help other people get better from what they're suffering from. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm here to do. That's why I've suffered. That's that's what I'm going to do. And I made that decision very, very clearly in my head that night. And so after that, you know, I did 
go on the trajectory of recovery, which was beautiful. And I got to a place where I was, you know, released from all of my inpatient, outpatient, you know, treatments and all of this. And I was living a much more fuller, richer life. And it was really beautiful. And, um, and this is when I was like, okay, I really need to help other people do this as well because I know how hard it is, but also I know how good it can be. Um, so then I was like, all right, I need to study as well because it's one thing having your own experience. It's another thing having, uh, you know, knowledge of the actual systems of the body and the mind. So I was like, okay, I need to study. I did a Bachelor of Social Science Psychology and Diploma of Health Science Nutritional Medicine and Institute of Therapy Foreign Fitness and Institute of Sleep Psychology. The reason I did all of those degrees was because I was like, well, if I know, if I if I understand psychology, sleep, nutrition, and fitness, I'll be able to help with everything. Yeah, and I'll be able to help people feel their best and and really help, you know. And so then. I started doing coaching when, when I was towards the end of my degrees and then started helping people in all those areas. And then it, no, then my sleep clients got the best results and I started talking to other people about it and I realised that everyone had sleep problems and nobody knew what to do about it. And for me it was very easy to fix. I put together my degrees and I created step-by-step plan step-by-step guides on exactly what to do to improve follow rule one follow rule two follow rule three all based in psychology sleep psychology nutrition and physiology upon seeing their success and upon understanding how many people were struggling I decided to specialize my work in that area and it was pretty quick to It was a pretty quick trajectory which led me, which was from that point to, you know, becoming really well-known in the media. I think because I had all of my academics behind me already and I was already working in the media doing general wellness work that it wasn't like I just come out of, you know, like some, you know, just invented, oh, I'm a sleep expert now. It's like, okay, cool, you you got you've got nine years of academics. Yeah, you, you probably know what you're talking about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got some experience and dealing yeah, with yeah. clients as well, so you know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just think like, there was a lot there and, you know, going back to sort of your very journey and I find, I mean, so many of the guests that I've spoken to that work in this field have had some sort of personal experience or journey themselves either experiencing it firsthand or they've witnessed something in their lives that inspires them or propels them to help other people in in a similar area or a related field. And so there's a lot that happened to you when you were younger that really has informed all of this stuff and led you down this path. I'm really curious to know about that moment when you did decide though because when you were 17 when you were in the hospital and you made that decision because obviously like you said those kinds of eating disorders like anorexia and bulimia it is a lot to do with your psychology and so to be in that loop of patterning of behaviors it sometimes can be really difficult to step out of in a way. I've spoken to quite a few guests who've experienced eating disorders and they talk about how they know they could be doing things differently, but then they just don't. So I'm really curious to know 
when you did make that decision for yourself in that hospital, when you were 17 and you decided, I'm not going to do this anymore, was there something that just happened prior to, or what was the the trigger that made you decide that? I, I remember, I remember seeing, I think it was sort of a, maybe a subconscious um, thing, because it wasn't at that specific point, you know, like that, like, I don't know, you know, so somebody collapsed in front of me or something. No, no, no. Yeah. So I'd been there, for, so first, I'd been there quite a few weeks and I noticed that a lot of girls come in and out and in and out and in and out. And, you know, the same girl that I saw in week one that was leaving, she was coming back in week four. And mm. I was just like, oh, God, like, am I going to be like that? Like, is this my next, you know, 12 months, 24 months, five, 10 years? Is it? Is that actually going to be my life? Yeah. And I was like, you know, because being in hospital with, in an eating disorder unit, it is so horrible. Like, mm. you know, and but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, be too critical because you know it was it was given to me by the government, and thank you, it helped me recover. But you know, it's it's very there isn't a lot of funding for eating disorder units. So what happens is basically you go in there, you're at a really low weight, they're scared you're going to die. So they just feed you as much as humanly possible in order to weight restore you, which I understand means that then they can have the another person who's on the outside, also about to die, take your bed. But the reason that I had to have three months of outpatient therapy is because the there is very little psychology in, you know, in that and psychological support in that inpatient. Uh, you know, unit. And so you're just th- like, you get there and they're like, great, here's, here's your meal plan. Uh, and it's, especially when you're actually trying to recover from anorexia, it is huge. The amount of food that you need to eat to actually just replenish your muscles, replenish your organs that have been malnourished. You actually, I, I was eating more than my brother who was an athlete at the time training four times a week for professional football. Wow. Like, and you're resting the entire time. You sit, you sit on bed rest, right? And so you you get into that ward and like, great, here's here's your meal plan. And you're, you're just like, how can I do this? You know? Yeah. And it's it's horrific and it's terrifying. But the thing is that they don't have time to take their time with you and say, okay, let's gently do it. And you know, let's let's work on your psychology so you are more comfortable with this. Because if they did that, then another person on the outside is gonna drop dead. Yeah. And so there was one thing that, you know, that's one trigger for me. I was just, I was, you know, you get bored. You're just like, oh, God, another day just, you know, sitting in hospital and can't go anywhere and can't see my friends. I couldn't go to, I was in year 12 at the time. I had to drop out of school. You know, like you just sort of, you look around the walls and you're like, is this going to be my life? Like, oh, God, I, you know, I think anyway, nobody wants to be a, you know, revolving hospital case. Yeah. And then I remember that night though, it was it really it really grinded my gears because I had a friend's birthday party and I really wanted to go. And they would my team wouldn't let me go. They're like, no, you you're not, you're not, you're not well, you're not well enough. And I was like, I'm well, I'm feeling good, I'm eating, it's fine. And they're like, no, you can't go. And I I was 
Okay, there's a lot of things you can tell me. No is not a good one to tell me. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be the thing that's gonna be like, no, I'm gonna prove you wrong. I'm get out of here. Correct. Yeah, you yeah. I can't do thing. I'll I'll do it ten times over just to prove that I can do it. You know. Yeah. And yeah. you know, this is partially why I have my own business because I don't like I like to pull <laughs> shots all the time. You know. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that they tell me no, that 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 actually now reflecting on it, that probably was was the was that 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 moment when I was like, excuse me. <laughs> I'm going to my friend's birthday. I, I can do this. It is my life. And they're like, no, you cannot. I'm like, but why? Because you're unwell. You cannot, you we're struggling, we are afraid you're going not to, you know, you're going to struggle. You might collapse there. Are we fine? No, you must stay here. You cannot go. I was like, okay, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not up for this. I'm gonna do whatever I can to evade that situation. Yeah, but I'm out of here. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm out. I love that. I love. I like that. It was such a distinct decision for you that you're like, no, I don't want my life to look like this. And then basically from that moment, things have just sort of rolled. And, and really quite naturally rolled into this evolution of your career and specifically helping people with sleep. And you said before that you were seeing a lot of people, clients for nutrition, for sleep psychology, for all the different areas, physical health as well. But tell me what it is about sleep specifically that creates this really dramatic shift and transformations in people's lives. Because I think when we think about sleep, obviously we we know that we need to get enough rest and whatnot as a broad spectrum kind of thing. But you have actually witnessed and helped people really make huge transformations, specifically focusing on their sleep. So can you tell me a little bit about these shifts that people have been making that you've worked with and what is it that is so important about sleep that can facilitate that kind of shift? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can, but can I just, you just, I just want to re- respond to something you just said uh, just before. Yeah. About, uh, you know, it's been a really nice evolution, you know, uh, from recovery and then an evolution into, you know, serving people as I am. There's definitely been a nice evolution and it's definitely given me a purpose. But, you know, I, so just, just on a personal level, although I was professionally getting, you know, well, doing really well, um, you know, personally, I was only 100% or, you know, 100%. I was only fully recovered for maybe five years. Then I relapsed and I'm now in what I call my second recovery, um, mm-hmm. you know, only in the last few months. So I probably relapsed into a a really, really bad state of anorexia again for about four years. And that was concurrent to me doing all my professional work. And so I just wanted to share that because I feel like I think a lot of people when they go, you know, backwards or when they relapse, they feel like they're a failure. They feel like everyone else is doing fine except them. And they feel like they can never actually get better again. You know, what's the point? I can't, I've, obviously it's too strong, you know. Mm. And so I just wanted to share that because I didn't want your listeners to think, okay, you know, done and dusted, da, 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 you know. Oh, yeah, everything's been, you know, happy, happy days since then. Actually, you know, I've done just as much work for my second recovery as I did for my first one. And, mm. you know, it's only... 
Um, it's only like literally in the past sort of few months that I've been able to really progress after, you know, some really intensive therapy over the past um, few 18 months. So mm. um, thank you for sharing that. That's um, yeah. it's so nice of you to be. I think one of the things that is really great about what you do as well in your work is aside from all the work with your sleep is that you're very authentic and share a lot about your personal journey on your socials and whatnot. And I think that's really refreshing to see in the media space as well, because even though we work in the wellness space, those are the kinds of things that people can resonate with because we all struggle with different challenges, even if it's not specifically the same thing as you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but specifically with, with eating disorders and that kind of thing, um, it is a journey, right? And it's not one of those things where you just switch off one day and then it's gone forever. Definitely so many of the guests that I've spoken to have exactly reiterated that that exact sentiment about it being a journey and it's something that you manage and continue to live with, I suppose, mm. you know. Do you want to share a little bit about just this recent recovery and what you've learnt most from that? Mm. Yeah, sure. I think I think sort of it was – I was – kind of slipping back into old habits like maybe, I don't know, to say like five years ago. And at the start I was like not too bothered by it but then and not too like concerned. I was just thinking, oh, you know, I'm just uh, basically, you know, like, yeah, I was just uh, thinking that, no, my my thoughts are fine. I'll, I'll be fine. I'm just, you know, I'm just, you know, exercise makes me happy. So, you know, I'm just looking for a way to, you know, get my high every day, for example. Um, and, you know, eating healthy and eating light, light makes me feel good. So, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just doing what I can to, you know, be healthy and, you know, light and everything. And then it sort of got to a point where I was just like, wow, like, you know, if I don't go for like my morning run, I feel like the world is going to explode and I feel like there's a cyclone and, you know, it sort of got to a point where I was literally like hooked on it. And then it sort of continued on that, on that trajectory, um, you know, for quite a few years and then just developed into, you know, really self-harming thoughts, self-destructive thoughts. And, you know, I was very distant and isolated from other people and just really in this, in this really horrible spiral. Um, And in that horrible spiral, the only thing that made me feel better was, you know, seemingly was restricting my food and exercising, which in the end actually doesn't make you feel better. But this is sort of what drives addiction. You know, you know, it's not good for you, but often you're so unhappy in the other areas of your life that the only thing that makes you feel good is the thing that you know you shouldn't do. But then how how do you avoid that? You know? And so um it sort of got to yeah, it was, it was in a it was going downhill for quite some time, but it got to the point that like I was I had so much anxiety about eating because I had so much like in my head, basically like eating was just the worst thing I could do. But then obviously you get hungry. And so then I'd get so much anxiety that I'd be restless for like days on end that I literally I could barely sit down because I was just, I was so restless and anxious. And I think on a physiological level as well, like it would have been so confusing for my body. It's just like, I need food. And then it, there was my brain saying, no, you cannot have food. And it's just like, but I need food. It's like, no, it's just like this war in my head, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And then it's just got to the point where I was considering taking my own life. And I was just like, yeah, I was like, I I don't want that. I know I don't want that. I just don't want 
my head right now. And so I was like, all right, what helped me before? What helped me before? Therapy, therapy, therapy. And so I engaged one of uh, a therapist that had been recommended and started working with him and um, unlocked things, you know, step by step. And, you know, I think like a lot of people would, you know, often pull me up and say, you know, get help, get help. But I was like, no, no, I'm fine. Or, you know, they would, they would also say, you know, get help by doing this, you know, go and see this person or you go, go here. But I was like, I'm approaching this in a way that feels comfortable for me. And I know that, you know, for example, like I know how difficult I find, you know, authority, (laughs) people telling me what to do, you know. Yes. So, and so, you know, like, you know, this, the way that I approached my therapy this time was that it had to be, it had to be something I wanted to do. I couldn't be forced to do it, you know. And so I had to choose my therapist wisely. I had to choose my path wisely. Um, and so I did and, you know, it, but it took like, it's sort of, it, this, this time the recovery process took a lot longer, like, you know, good 18 months to actually see like, Hey, you know, I've put on a few kilos and I'm not, you know, freaking out about it. Um, and I think, yeah, like part of that process was this one, this one therapist I work with in the, from the U S Another big part was I did an ayahuasca retreat in Costa Rica. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that was super powerful. That would have been intense. Yeah, super yeah. intense. Super, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think also like a real big part of my healing this time was I went traveling for three and a half months, and I think also by this time I'm really quite I'm done with the self destruction. I'm done with being hungry. I'm done with saying no to food. Like I'm really just like it's been, you know, I've been struggling with this for over half my life now. And I'm just really like, like I'm over it. You know, I just like, okay, like I want to be able to go out and have, have like a pasta and not like, not feel bad about it and, you know, not fret. And so um, I think just putting myself in that situation where I was a over it, but also um, be like had an opportunity to really enjoy my time and you know like I had to make conscious decisions it's just like all right am I going to sit here you know eating a salad and then in Italy and everyone else around me is eating pasta and I want to eat pasta and I'm just going to say no I'm going to eat a salad like is that going to actually equate to my best life you know and so I think I think traveling's really helped as well um and I think for anyone you know who is trying to get over that first hurdle of like how do I move from wanting to stay sick to wanting to stay well. I think a common thread in both of my sort of turning points is you just look at the future. You're just like, you're just like, if I continue doing what I'm doing, what will my life look like in two years, one year, six months? Is that what I want? Or if I, even if I just get 1% better, and I, you know, rather than believing these thoughts, I challenge them. And, you know, in the case of anorexia, and I'm just able to have one pasta, you know, is that, is that the path that I, is that the path, the direction I want to go in? And usually you can see what is going to be helpful or what is going to be hurtful for you. And although it might seem like a small deal to make that decision now, it's just, that's like one step towards 
the path you want to go on. And so you take one step and then the next day you take one more step. And then the next day you take one more step and all of a sudden you're three steps on that path. I really like that advice. It's such a good reminder for all of us to think about wherever we are in our lives, and this can be relatable to whatever you're going through in your life as well, right? Like you can ask yourself, what will my life look like if I continue doing what I'm doing? And is that what I want my life to look like? And like you said, it's so good to be gentle with yourself and just take the next step and then kind of celebrate that moment of making that decision. And then the next day you can ask yourself, okay, what's this next step I'm going to take? And it's accumulative, right? It's that's how change is made. It's over these small little things that we do every day that create these big shifts. Yeah. That's, I mean, so amazing too, for you to have experienced also traveling and being, I guess, in different environments and knowing yourself in those environments, you know, and, and being able to make those decisions. So I'm so happy to hear that your path of recovery this time has been not, not only different, but I guess, you know, you feel like you're coming out the other side, I suppose, you know, in that way. Sure, for sure. And I think definitely the sort of, for me, the biggest proof that that is, is that I've shared what I have on social media, which used to terrify me. But also like, it's a big, it's a big statement because I know now, I now know people are watching. I can't go backwards because people are watching. And then it's like, hey, no, no, (laughs) you're, no, don't go that way. And it's just, you know, I can't just play the game of, oh yeah, I'm just like stressed out. It's just like, okay, but you were looking exactly as you were before, or, you know, your behaviors are the same. And so, you know, I was, and that's, I think why I didn't share it in the past. I didn't want people to look, I didn't want people to observe, and I didn't want people to, um, you know, make, make judgments about where I was and, you know, the, my path. And now I'm just like, okay, okay. So I feel like I don't want to go backwards and I'm going to put it out to everyone and everyone's going to help help hold me accountable. Yeah. It's a great accountability tool, isn't it? Sharing it. And also disperses the, you know, the stigma about dealing with, I mean, I feel like in the media, talking about eating disorders and things has been, has had a stigma attached to it definitely for a long, long time, right? Because it's associated with mental illness. But I feel like people like you who are willing to share their story, it just normalizes it so that other people who are maybe struggling with something similar or not even the same thing, just a similar kind of struggle can feel like they're not alone and can connect in that way, which is so amazing. And I think it's so great that you're able to share and be authentic because there are a lot of, you know, comments and things that can come out when you share things like that. So I think it's really great that you're able to share your story, which is so amazing. Oh, thank you. It's, um, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Most people have been really supportive, but I will say like some people are like, you need to get better. You need to do this. Like, like telling me the path that I need to take, you know, like you should go into an eating disorder ward. You should do this. You're still not better. You, you know, all of these things. And I'm just like, thank you for your input. Very much appreciated. I know that that's been the path for you, but this is my life. I sit with my head every day. I sit with my body every day. And so I'm going to do what's right for me. And by all means, please 
uh, you know, you can support and love that journey. But if you feel like, if you're critical and you feel like you can't observe me as I take my own path, which may take longer, and so maybe I don't recover as fast as you want me to, but this isn't about you. Mm. This is my life. Yeah. This is my journey. Yeah. And I think that's important to remember too, is just to, for all of us, if we're going through our journey, it's your own path and taking the path that is right for you and your body and your mind, because you know everything that's happened to you, you know, and no one else can tell you what is right for you. Only you are going to know that. So I think it's so incredibly important to also share that message because that's a powerful message too, is to stand in your own truth, essentially, which is what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an incredible, I feel like that is a, just an incredible journey and such great messaging and inspiration that can come from what you're experiencing. So I'm so grateful for you sharing that, that part of your journey. Thank you. I, I must say though, it's, it's actually given me such a great basis to work with my sleep clients though, because mm. all the, basically all of the, all of the thoughts that they have and like psychology wise, everything that they, they're challenged with, I was challenged with, I've been challenged with. You just sub out the word food and, you know, um, exercise with sleep. It's like I too believed that I would never get better. I believed that it was too hard. I believed that, yeah, it was, I I was just destined to be unwell forever, that, you know, I was just one of those people. Um, Nobody could actually help me. Nothing could actually really help me. You know, all of these things I hear from my sleep clients, they're like, oh, do you think I'm just a bad sleeper? No, nobody's Mm. born a bad sleeper. You can do things that you, that support or sabotage your ability to sleep well. And, you know, this is, you know, this is sort of like, you know, you're not born an anorexic. You just, you can do things that either support or sabotage that process. So it's, I think it's really beautiful because I hear when I talk to my sleep coaching clients, you know, I hear their pains and I understand how, how hard it can be when you feel like you've tried everything and nothing works or that you're just a lost cause or that your struggles are different to everyone else's struggles and everyone else can recover except you. Yeah. You know, these things come up time and time again. Yeah, so there's commonalities yeah. across the board. Yeah. So in terms of sleep, what are the most common problems that people experience when it does come to sleep? What are they experiencing? Can't stay asleep. Waking up lots through the night and being unable to return to sleep or just waking up lots through the night. So that's the most common. So what what kind of suggestions would you give those people to assist with that? I mean, I suppose we can get into this because this probably is all part of it. So you talk a lot about chronotypes, which is basically a lot of what your book is about, Bear, Lion or Wolf. And for those of you listening who have never heard about this, I had never heard about these different chronotypes before sort of researching Olivia. And so let's go through those because I think this is, this is that's probably the basis where you start to understand and unpack why you do certain behaviours and, and why your sleep patterning is in a certain way or why you might be experiencing problems with sleep, right? So can you firstly take us through what a chronotype is? Sure. 
explain. Yeah. yeah. For sure, for sure. I did the test, so I know you what did, I am. You did yeah. the quiz. So there's a quiz for everyone listening. There's a quiz on my website which tells you your chronotype. What did you get? I got the I got the lion. I was about to say, I bet you're a lion. All, <laughs> all of podcast hosts are lions. Are they? Well, a lot of How them are strange. Because, so the thing is that there are certain personalities traits that are associated with each chronotype, and for lions, being a health oriented leader is one is two personality traits that are that are are typical for lions. And so you think about most people with podcasts like. They're health oriented, and well, these ones I speak on, and yes. they're leaders. That's why you're interviewing me, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> so, outside of you know lions, exactly what is a chronotype? It's a categorization system for your circadian rhythm. So this either says so your circadian rhythm is an either an early, late, or mid phase. Now, what that means is how early your melatonin peaks and how early your melatonin troughs. Melatonin is a key sleepiness hormone. The more melatonin we have, the sleepier we are. So this is exactly why you've got some people who, when it comes to, you know, nine o'clock, they're on the couch saying, uh, I'm going to bed in half an hour. But then you've got other people who are like, it's nine o'clock and they're putting on their dancing shoes to go out. And then you've got others who are just, you know, sometimes they do one, sometimes the other. So um, perspectively, lions are the earliest risers and earliest to go to bed. Wolves are the latest to go to bed, the latest to rise. And bears fall in between the two. Um, Outside of, you know, your general sleep wake patterns it also dictates your energy patterns and when you're the most productive mentally and physically so for aligned with you know the early mid and late phase lions are most productive in the early morning so i'm talking like eight eight o'clock until like lunchtime that's when they shine whereas bears it's like they're a bit slower in the morning but come 9 30 until about two then they're that's their great time and then you've got wolves who the later the day gets the more they are productive then these are the kinds that are literally you know like you've always got that friend that would never do their all of their work all during your know, school until it was like midnight and then all of a sudden they do all of it and you just be like how did you how do that? right yeah right yeah, that, that's 100%. a wolf. yeah, and so it indicates you know our energy patterns and periods of peak productivity. It also indicates our sleep length, ideal sleep length. So bears need more sleep than others, so they need to sleep at least eight nine hours. Lions need less, so seven is usually okay, and usually like quite refreshing for them. And then you've got wolves who are in between some because they the thing is with wolves is that they have the late the late phase so this means that they actually don't feel tired until around about 12 o'clock one o'clock right yeah then they have to wake up you know usually they have to wake up around seven and so this is why they have a variable sleep need because sleep need also depends on how much how sleep deprived you are and typically 
wolves are quite sleep deprived. So this is why it's quite variable. I find it all so super fascinating because when you actually go to Olivia's website and do the quiz and find out what chronotype you are, it literally describes you to a T. Like I, I literally, when I when I read the description, I was like, yep, that's so me, early to rise. I like a good morning routine, super productive in the morning. By sort of early afternoon, late afternoon, my energy, I'm starting to feel it and I need to go to sleep early. So it's so fascinating to me because not only is it sort of showing you what your circadian rhythm is or your ideal circadian rhythm is, but that just helps with every other area of your life because then you understand, oh, this is why I need to operate my life in this way and why I might be different to somebody else. Definitely. It's, yeah, I think it's, uh, it definitely helps you understand yourself better. And I think, especially for those who aren't lions, it can really lessen that sense of guilt that you're not like a morning person. You know, I think the world loves morning people like, oh my God, you know, get up at 5am, win the day, you know, the 5am club, um, or, you know, there's this, there's this thing in uh, Sydney called 440, which is where people, where, yes, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I actually know the guys that uh, that started. Them. I love them. So Todd love, and everything, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I love, I love the concept, but I will say, four forty, even for a lion, for me is like it's too early. Like that's a push. Let alone if you're a bear or a or a wolf. And the thing is that often you can just be sitting there going, "What's wrong with me? Why can't I? You know, why am I tired in the morning?" Other people can get up normally and I, why am I so tired in the morning and I'm so alert in the evening? You think there's something wrong with you or maybe you're a bear and you're thinking, why do I sleep for eight hours and I'm still tired? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just a circadian rhythm. It's how you're, it's how you're programmed. And yeah. so I feel like it help. it's really important to understand that element of ourself so then we can know, okay, exactly how much sleep do I need? What times do I need to go to bed? What times, if I can, should I do my most challenging tasks? You know, that's just a small subset. You know, it also helps us understand our typical sleep saboteurs. So lions are often anxious and this can cause light, restless sleep. And then bears, they have a tendency to be fatigued. And so sometimes this means that They'll lay on the couch at the end of the day, just watching TV show after TV show after TV show. And then you've got um, wolves who are prone to addictions. That might be, they might be on their phones nonstop and be unable to, you know, just switch off as easy as others could. Mm. I find it so fascinating to me that you can actually know these things about yourself and, and really kind of hone in on the things that you can improve on, particularly around your sleep patterns and things that you can do either before your, before you sleep, your night routine and also your morning routine. Now, obviously there are certain things that probably exist across the board. So one of the things I wanted to ask, because this is a probably a common problem, I'm assuming, that people snore. Why do people snore and how do you stop snoring. Is that something that's, <laughs> that you can do? Yeah. Why do people snore? So there are a range of reasons why people snore. Um, it could be just be the physiology. Some people have really narrow airways. It's usually, though, due to excess weight because what happens mm. is the pressure on the, um, from, your, from the excess weight around the neck creates 
uh, it restricts the airways in the nasal cavity, but down in your throat, it restricts the airways there. Alcohol is another really big one because this relaxes the muscle around the airways and causes them to collapse. So yeah, that's sort of the main triggers. Sleeping on your back is not, is definitely can exacerbate snoring just in terms of how that positions the tongue. It can lead to greater vibrations in the vocal cords. There are a host of reasons. I think the thing with snoring is there are some uh, ways to get around it. There's actually a, one of my partners I'll share in the show notes. It's actually so interesting. So, so they have a what's called a nasal dilator. And what this does is, is it, it's like a, it's the opposite of like a peg. You know, I have a peg like, you know, clips things together. This does the opposite, like opens things up, right? Ah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Coolest thing happened. So I went on my retreat, my ayahuasca retreat earlier this year and I took it and my my roommate snored like a train. She was like, oh. <laughs> like, how do I have another five nights with you? And of course, you know, the sleep expo is probably the snoring lady, right? <laughs> but then I'm like, I'm like, here, try these, please. Just, just try them. The next night she was like quiet as a whistle. I was like, wow. get out of town. Like I've seen videos before, but this I was so blown away. I was just like, and then I emailed them up the morning and I'm like, I was like, guys, I have a case study for you. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So amazing. So it is more as physiological and, and depending on wh- what's happening in your nasal cavity and all that kind of stuff. And also where you're holding fat, if you're holding excess fat, etc. Yeah. Now, another thing that I think that I definitely have heard conflicting things about is taking naps. And I know everyone loves a good old nana nap every now and then, but should we take naps? Should we not take naps? Does it depend on your chronotype, whether you should nap or not? Because obviously some chronotypes, like you said, the wolf might be more fatigued because they're staying up later, et cetera, et cetera. So is there an ideal way to nap? Yes. If we are going to take a nap. Yeah. Yes. I have a perfect nap plan. Perfect. And- and yes, um, there are, so wolves are often sleep deprived because they do find it hard to get to sleep early enough. And so of all chronotypes, they need a nap the most, but bears also, they have the lowest energy overall. So they may feel like they need to nap too. Lions typically don't need to nap. They're, they're okay. They, they get, they have overall the highest quality sleep and get the most sleep. The perfect nap plan. Step one, keep it short, less than 30 minutes. This means that you're still tired enough to sleep that night. Step two, keep it dark, wear an eye mask. Anytime you're exposed to light, this suppresses your levels of melatonin. When you're having a nap, you actually want your body to produce melatonin. And step three is to keep it early. You want to finish the nap no later than... 3.30. Mm, in the afternoon, yeah. It's for, this is for all chronotypes. Yeah, wow. Oh, I like that. That's so good to know. Ideal nap plan, guys. Make sure you do those three steps. Keep it short, under 30 minutes. Keep it dark and keep it before 3.30. Yeah. I like it's short and sharp. So it's very dangerous. Short and sharp. Yeah, and it does make you feel refreshed. You know, that's the whole point of a nap is to kind of recharge you. So... Your book, Bear, Lion or Wolf, this has been such a bestseller. It's been released in 10 different countries, eight different languages. Hey. What's the one thing that you would say 
why this book will help you with your sleep? If there was one thing that you could tell people that this book will help them with. I think the reason it helps so many people is because just exactly as you said before, you've never heard of a chronotype. Most people have never heard of a chronotype, but it actually has such a big impact on how much sleep you need, when you should sleep, what you should do before bed, all of these things. And so if you know your chronotype, then you would just direct it a lot easier. And so I think that in itself, just learning that there is a chronotype and that it does influence the way that you sleep. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been actually really, and you can go onto Olivia's website to take the quiz because you can figure it out, but then also get the book so that you can read through how you can actually effectively work with your chronotype to improve your life essentially. But I, I find that it also, like you said before, it, it releases the judgment on how you think you should be because now understanding how you actually are and the way that your body is naturally in a certain rhythm, it helps you to do other practices in your life that will assist with that. So I think it's amazing. We'll pop all of those details in the show notes for you guys. Now, one of the things that I ask all of my guests about is about dealing with failure and rejection because it's something that we all deal with and we experience in life. So I'm I'm interested to know what your biggest failure or rejection has been and what have you learned from it? Hmm, my biggest failure... That's a hard one. I don't really, maybe I'm like a kind of optimistic person. I don't really, I don't know I've had a big failure. Or something that you felt like didn't exactly go the way that you thought it was going to go. I feel like I've definitely had redirects of my life. Earlier this year, I was really enjoying time in Italy. So I decided to apply for my citizenship, told everyone that I was moving to Italy because I thought I was moving to Italy. And then um, discovered that part of that citizenship process, if I was going to apply from Italy, it would mean that I'd need to live there for six months without leaving. Remember how we were talking about me me and authority before and like, yeah. <laughs> right? Let's put this into perspective. Uh, you know, you get, uh, I get booked for a TV gig in uh, Australia and I'm in Italy, which has happened. Well, it happened, happened while I was in Australia. So, you know, this happens, right? I just, I'm doing a, my first, well, not my first, but my first keynote of this year in Brisbane. and. The preference for the client was in person. What if I'm just holed up in Italy? Sorry, can't can't come. What? Mm. Why not? Why not? Oh, I'm getting my citizenship. And do you need it? <laughs> well, no, I just want it. <laughs> right. Okay. So you're not gonna, you know, be able to progress a lot with you know with these opportunities if because of the fact that you just want your citizenship. Right. Right. Or say, for example, I'm over there and my best friend who is coming next year, probably with me, um, she's like, I'm in Greece. Come and meet me in Greece. I've got a villa. It's in Mykonos. We can go out dancing every day. Just come. It's all taken care of. Just, Just book your flight. Sorry, can't come. Can't leave Italy. No, I was just like... I was like, <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I like freedom and flexibility, and that's like the opposite of freedom and flexibility. So, um, yeah. it wasn't. A, I don't know if it was a failure as such, but it was just something that I thought was happening, and then I got redirected. 
Yeah. And I think that's a good way to look at things when things kind of don't work out the way that you think is and and often that's what happens when these things kind of happen is that there's some other reason, purpose for it, right? Always. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I've come back to Australia and I just feel like it's been, I've been welcomed back like it's a big warm hug, you know, like nice, like, you know, I get to, I get to see all my old, all my old friends and my dog's here and I was going to bring her over but you know like lots of parks here and Mm. my family's here and you know something that I didn't expect as well is that I really wanted to knuckle down with work and because I know Australia back to front it's not as exciting to be here for me and but actually rather than looking at that as a negative I was like I can work lots because I'm bored in Australia rather than being like, oh, I'm bored so I'm working in Australia. No, no, no. I can work lots because it's boring. Mm, Fantastic. Because yeah. you know you know everything already. Correct. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's very yeah. familiar to you. You know how hard it was to, you know, just sit behind my desk for like 10 hours at, at a time, which sometimes I do because, you know, I'm still in the hustle phase of my business as we all are. Um, you know, when I'm in Italy and, you know, like, there's, you know, the Colosseum outside my door and then I want to go and see this statue and, you know, like there's aperitivo hour at 5 p.m. every day. Like, like, do you know how hard it is to say, no, 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 sorry, I am going to sit at my desk. I bid you farewell, good sir. Mr. You know, cute man talking to me on the inviting me for Aperol Spritz. No, 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 please. I, I cannot. I need to sit and sit at my desk. And work. <laughs> right, right? Yeah, but, yeah. There's always a silver lining, right? Correct. It's, what, my, my main objection about coming back to Italy is coming back to Australia is because I was like, Australia's boring. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is great. Australia's boring. <laughs> yes. It's a shift of perception. I like it. Okay, <laughs> so great. good. Yeah, yeah. So my final question for you is if you had a life philosophy or a mantra that you try to live your life by, what would that be? Trust the universe. Mm. Trust everything is unfolding exactly as it should. You might not understand what that is and you might think you know where you should be and what you should be doing, but the universe knows. You don't know. So rather than having all these carefully laid plans and then when they go amiss, getting upset about it and thinking, why me, why me, you know, why why does nothing work out for you? Why, why does nothing work out for me? No, 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 no. Everything is working out for you. You yeah. just need to drop that idea of what you think should happen and allow what is happening. Yeah. You know, I know that both of us, uh, before we started this podcast, we're talking about moving before. Yeah. And moving's challenging, let's just say that. And, you know, like I didn't think I would be in this situation because I thought I was going to be in Italy. And that's why I gave up. I had this amazing apartment and I gave it up and I loved living there. But I gave it up because I'm like, I'm living in Italy. And I get back and I'm in this place where I'm like, you know, scrambling half my day trying to find a place to live because I don't have one. And I'm just like, oh, this is a nightmare, you know. No, 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 no. This is all part of the process. It's all part of the journey. Just just don't hold too much resistance. Just be at ease with it. It's all unfolding exactly as it should. 
100%. When I check back in with you in a week, you'll be like, guess what happened? Right. This is what's happening. Yeah. And you'll, and you'll be like, it was all meant to be out this way. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah. I really love that. Now, where can people find all of your amazing work, your website, your book, all of your amazing good things? Where can they find you? Best place to connect is Instagram as a first port of call. I'm Olivia Arizolo. Or if you type in sleep expert, I usually come up. Um, outside of that, my website has a lot of good content and I put, I've been recently adding all of my media articles, which are really helpful to read, you know, like why do you wake up at 3am or everything you need to know about snoring or why, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all of these, all of these blog articles are there and I'm very proud of them because it's just like, it's going to be, it's like a library of information that can just help. Um, and so that's a really good base as well and you also find out about my private coaching and my online course and the most important thing in my website is to take your quiz you'll find out your your, your chronotype and so um, that's a great place as well and uh, that's just liviarazolo.com.au amazing so we'll pop all of those links up in the show notes guys so that you can check out all of olivia's great work and she does post a lot of stuff body and soul a lot of um articles that she's written for body and soul on her instagram amazing articles um, on the blog on the website as well and obviously you can get her book bear lion or wolf on her website too so we'll leave all of that up there for you guys to check out thank you so much for joining me olivia i have so loved this chat and also i'm so grateful for you sharing your journey which is a very personal journey with your eating disorder journey but I think it's so helpful for people to know aside from all the sleep stuff as well it's all amazing work that you're doing so very very grateful to have you on this show oh thank you so much I love what you're doing and I'm so happy to support so you keep on being great I'll keep on supporting you and together we are a good team you too yes we will keep on doing the good work that we are now thank you guys so much for listening tell us what you loved and learned from this episode by leaving a rating and review over at apple Podcasts. make sure you screenshot this episode tag us and share it to your socials thank you again so much olivia for joining me and thank you guys for listening we'll catch you next time on the rate active podcast